0: Welcome to the podcast for WGTS Gateway Fellowship, a place that is about inspiring hope. You can learn more about us and hear more messages at mygatewayfellowship.com. It's the 35th anniversary of Santa Cruz Guitar Company that builds my guitars. And I'm very close to the family. They're a very tight-knit group of luthiers, of artisans, and they build one guitar at a time to order. And... uh, They love the Lord. It's amazing how many of God's people are out there in the woodwork. Both of my guitars are broken, my 12-string and my 6-string. So I got to go in the back and hang out with the luthier who's putting my guitars back together again. So I got to hold the pieces of my guitars and say, this will go back on here again. That's exciting stuff when you're a guitarist. That's like you have a car, right? Right. You get to see the engine and your car. That's going to go back in here, and I'll be able to drive this thing again. And for those of us who live with guitars, I, um, that was special. Santa Cruz, California. I needed time with God alone. You know, sometimes you just need time, right? Do you do it? Do you take time with the Lord all by yourself? Alone is a good thing from time to time. I took a walk on the beach, a day just like today. Well, a regular California day. I was on the sand, took off my shoes, and all the bathing suits stared at me, wondering why this guy with a shirt and slacks, and shoes in his hands, were walking along. I didn't fit into the group that was out there, but that morning... I looked at the high school where I graduated in 1978, down the beach, Monterey Bay Academy. And I had a high time with the Lord. I was fellowshipping with the Lord. I looked heavenward and I said, what what do you want of me, O Lord? Love has to be what drives our lives. Love doesn't come naturally when people have messed with you. So I said, what do you want of me, O Lord? And at the moment that I thought I was at my highest moment in communing with God, I look in the surf, you know, this foamy beach, and there's a bone laying there. It's a human bone. I look down, and yep, it's an ulna, the, the thick one from your wrist to your elbow. The, 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 you have two bones there, the thicker one. And it was fresh. It didn't have any shark markings on it, so I know that no surfer was out there and Jaws met up with him because we have a lot of great white sharks offshore there. It's a very deep bay, cold, cold water. And, you know, somebody sometimes drowns while sailing out there. They disappear, and, you know, the sea life takes care of you just like the land life if you lay around and you're not breathing anymore. But it was like a pause. It was a human bone. A fresh human bone lying on the surf. And of course, uh, other folks uh, kind of went like this, everybody agreed. And so somebody else was going to call the police because the Lord and I were having a conversation. Yeah. Isn't that something? That's what separates us from the animals. We're human. The compassion, the capacity to exercise the use of a frontal lobe, a brain. And have compassion for each other. That one interruption alone reminded me that we live on planet Earth. And that this is an imperfect place. Somebody did not make it home. And I get to commune with God on the same gorgeous, beautiful beach. And so I I continued my walk. And by the time I came back, folks had taken care of authorities and the bone had been removed. Children were now building a sandcastle in the same spot. What is love? We've been discussing that for a while, haven't we? Have you been coming? What is love? We saw that love can be seen in the Ten Commandments. Now I don't know about you, but I grew up thinking, somebody told me that the Ten Commandments is a list of rules that if you don't keep, you're going to hell. No passing go, no collecting $200. (laughs) And I grew up afraid. Anytime someone mentioned the Ten Commandments, I got scared. I don't know about you. Because I got to keep them. I have to keep them. What does keep the Ten Commandments mean? Well, you just better be good, man. And what does good mean? You can get... Very frightened, very fast. And I also grew up in a culture that if I disobeyed my mama and then I got hurt, I'd be, you know, my mom says, don't go to the street. So where did I go? To the street. I mean, this is Los Angeles. I've had cousins run over by cars, killed tragically. And a lot of traffic. I mean, it's like around here. Hit and run is the way things people do stuff or the way people do, you know what I'm saying. And so so, so, my mama said, don't go out into the street. I'm a little boy. So where do I go? Into the street. And there's this tree that pick up the sidewalk, you know, that tree root and the cements like this and city hasn't gotten around to fixing the sidewalk. I don't see that. I'm running because my mommy said, don't go out there. And I kick the cement that's sticking up. And I, you know, it goes really quiet as I fly. And you know how it is when a little child lands on cement you know, that a child sees one drop of blood and they're sure that they're dying. And so I remember falling and I, I couldn't catch my breath. And my mom picks me up and I'm still... And you know what's going to happen when that child catches their breath. You're going to hear a scream... That even the local Doberman pinchers and pit bulls will be frightened by. Because only a child can let out a wheel of the kind when they <laughs> on cement, right? I'm a little child. I was about this high till I was fifteen. I I didn't think I'd ever grow. <sighs> anyway, I finally grew a few inches. I remember as my mama was carrying me and I finally let out that blood-curdling scream because I could see blood coming down my arm and I did this and saw blood. But it was my auntie. I heard her in the background. You see? God punished you for being such a disobedient little boy. Have you heard that kind of stuff before? I've heard mamas tell to their kids, If you, you know how sad Jesus gets when you do those things. Better watch out because the child believes you. That is one depressed Jesus with billions of children misbehaving at the same time. And he gets sad for each one of them. I mean, is that true? I mean, think about it. Does Jesus get sad because a child is growing up and learning about life and needs a little bit of correction from time to time? That does not make Jesus sad. That makes him happy. This child is going to learn something. That's my girl. That's my boy. I have a godly parent guiding them, right? You better behave because Jesus becomes sad. Be careful that we not mislead our children into thinking that they can serve a severe and angry God. We're the ones who teach them those things. You realize that Jesus pulled out a child once and sat him among the people. What's your name? Okay, everybody, this is Iksak. Iksak, how old are you? He put up three fingers. I have witnesses. You're three. Unless you have the faith of this child, you will not enter the gates of heaven. Any questions? See, a child trusts completely. A child believes totally. My daddy stronger than your daddy. I remember I had an argument with a kid, my neighbor... My mommy makes better food than your mommy. (laughs) No, my mom. No, my mommy. A child believes. A child hopes. And the greatest of all, a child loves so purely. You have to become adult to start learning Bitterness. You have to grow up to start doubting and losing hope. You have to grow up to start getting angry about stuff. But a child is the greatest ultimate expression of love. Check it out. You know it's true. You got kids? Children have a way of laughing for everything. You have to become an adult to stop laughing. What? What? I'm happy. Leave me alone. (laughs) But a child, (laughs) it's time to go to sleep. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to whoop some people. Okay. (laughs) You see, a child is our greatest hope. A child is our inspiration. If you have the faith of a child with God, my God can do anything. I'm mm, going into surgery. My God can do anything. You see, that's how a child would see it. You know how adults see it? I, I'm just not sure. The doctors are not uh, optimistic. You see, you, to doubt, you have to grow up. Those are learned responses. A child only believes. I've been to war zones. Folks have been killed, explosions, bodies carried away from the streets. And who's out there playing? A child will find a way to play amidst the rubble of destruction and find hope when everyone else is hopeless. A child will smile when mom and dad have stopped smiling. A child will hold on to their parent and say, please let me know it's going to be okay. We should listen more to our kids. Huh? Right. Next time you're down, bring the kids in. Just watch them for a little bit. Watch what happens. If you watch with an open heart and listen with special ears, you'll discover what ultimate love is. You see, the Ten Commandments are a definition of what true love is. The first four commandments, you remember them? Don't have any other gods before me. Don't make any statues of stuff. Uh, heaven and earth, underneath the water. You, the third one, don't take my name in vain. Now think about this stuff. He's describing a relationship. You have me. Why do you need is somebody else. They don't exist. So you're gonna make stuff up so you don't go with me. Okay, don't raise your hand, just your conscience. How many of you have caught your love looking? Oh, I saw you looking. And what did the guy usually do? He lie. No, I wasn't. It's true. I, I see some elbowing going on. Be careful now. See now now, guys will lie. Well, I wasn't looking. But sisters know. They can tell instantly when their man has been looking. Do I need to go into any more detail? You know exactly what I'm talking about before I even mentioned it, right? Why are you looking at her when you have me? Right? right? I mean, isn't that the conversation back in the kitchen when you get home? <laughs> You've got me. Why are you looking elsewhere when you have me? I love you. Now I notice it's an equal opportunity thing. But sisters don't even deny it. Oh, look at this man. I wish you had shoulders like that. What's up with those green eyes and your one your eyes I can't even see? See, sisters are more blatant and they don't care. Now, Honey, come here. Look at this man coming down the beach. See, but guys were, I I never looked. I didn't look. No, I didn't. But with women, I'm looking and I like what I see. Is this true, brother? That's right. That's right. Okay. It's an equal opportunity thing. And a man will tell his woman, babe, what you looking at? You've got me. Yeah, but you got a belly too. Gotta work out. You gotta I am. Yeah, what's with that pizza at ten PM? These conversations, are they common or not? God is saying, Why are you looking around when you have me? That's an intimate statement. That that is love and I'm a jealous God, he says, but he's not the kind of jealous of you can't do anything. Okay, I saw you looking. No, no, I, I know you were like I, I, I sat with a guy whose wife is so jealous. We went out to pizza. He and I are watching the game, eating pizza. But the, the soda machine is under the screen. And his wife is with me. I mean, his, her husband's with me. And she, some girls went up to put soda. We are watching the game. I'm a witness. And she come up to him. I saw you looking at those girls. Sweetheart, we're what? It's the third inning. Do you want to watch with us? No, no, I saw you. It got serious. We had to leave. This this sister has issues. There is a jealousy that is so destructive, it'll kill a relationship. But there's a jealousy that's healthy. What are you looking at? You've got me. You have me. It's intimate. It's, it's closeness. Why would you want another God if you have me? And then the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Oh, now A holy day when we're not supposed to do anything. That's how many people look at it. Yeah, you're not supposed to do anything on the Lord's day except go to church. Do you ever go out on date with your spouse? Now, couples that are dating, you look forward to going out. I mean, any reason to get out is good. But after you've been married for a while, remember when you were dating? There's this couple out at Central Park. True story. They're holding hands. It's one of those balmy summer nights. They sit on a bench and the clouds were moving. as a full moon. It's perfect. Sister was inspired. And the clouds begin to cover the moon, and she says, look, the clouds are covering the moon. And he, you know, you know how we men are when we're dating? We're poets as well. It's because the moon is embarrassed because of our love. And she's all, and she gets home to her mom. Mom, he's the one. He's incredible. This is it. I'm in love. I can't believe it. You should have seen the moon thing out at the park. Okay, so she's convinced. They get married five years later. They've been married for five years now. They, they, they get mom to watch the kids. Now they're walking out of Central Park, of all coincidences, on another steamy night, and it was a full moon. I mean, what's the chances of that? So they're out at the park, and they're sitting there holding hands when the clouds are starting to cover the moon. And she remembers that magical night five years ago. And she says, look, sweetheart, because she's still in love. The moon is being covered by the clouds, and she's waiting for some poetry. Maybe a second stanza will come out of this. And And she says, look, the moon is being covered with clouds. And he turns Dummy, can't you see it's going to rain? That's a true story. Remember we used to open your door? Now we come out Walmart, we jump in, hurry up, it's raining. And you have to go around and let yourself into the car or climb up into the truck. Hurry up, water's coming in. It's amazing, gentlemen, how many of our tendernesses we forget after we're married. You know how to keep that flame alive? You go out. My wife and I like to go out on dates. Serious stuff. We go to Subway. (laughs) Taco Bell. We order big. We get the inchorito and the Mexican pizza. Not just the cheap bean burrito. We make it special. We got four kids at the house. So Our budget is not as big as we wish. We have one income, and we praise the Lord for that income. Amen. Others don't have incomes right now, so we are happy with what God has given us. We just don't have anything extra. It'd be nice not to have a check bounce once in a while. (laughs) So that you can see that preachers are human, too. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Well, I look forward to my date nights. I call my wife, babe, I'd like to take you out. Oh, not tonight. The kids, the workout, the rehearsal. The, the, but tomorrow night, all right, we set it. Or I'll say, how about next Wednesday? We set a date, and once the date is set, it better be another earthquake that's going to interrupt it. You don't mess with my time with my woman. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, now you got an emergency. Somebody else will come and help you unless it's a dire emergency, then we'll drop over. We'll both show up with uh, uh, subway breath to help you. But I'm telling you right now, I got this phone call. And it was for a television show of where society is going and where the church is today. It's going gonna, it's gonna to broadcast on six continents. This is a major program, and it's you and three other people we want to interview on this because my training is in sociology. We want to discuss where the world is and where politics and where the instability and where natural disasters are, and where did God's people begin to relate to all of this, and what do we do in response? And I said, oh, sounds like an awesome show. When is it going to be? Well, next Wednesday. Oh, sorry. I didn't have to think as soon as I saw that Ruthie. Sorry, guys. What? What could be more important than this? My wife. (laughs) I'm not going to cancel my date. You can go out the next night. No, we've arranged this thing's in the calendar. But this is and they name, the title of the individual. Yeah, that might be him, but this is my wife. I don't live with him. You could always do another show with him. If you don't like it, get someone else. I'm going out with my woman. And we went to Subways. Got the 12 inch with extra cheese. You know, Jared's beginning to worry. I'm going to catch up to that boy. And so I'll never forget that. It's not what I don't do on date night. It's what I'm intent on doing on date night. I'm going to be with my woman. Nothing will interrupt it. It's not what we don't do on the Lord's day. It's what we're intent on doing on the Lord's day. It's about fellowship. It's about intimacy. It's about oneness with God. So the first four commandments are about an intense, intimate love with God. And the last six commandments... Honor your father and your mother. Jesus singled it out. He says, that's the first one that has a promise with it, that your days may be long upon the land the Lord your God gave you. Is there a difference between honoring and obeying my folks? Uh, We go out to the river in Northern California with my dad and my kids in the van. It's 112, 113 degrees, a good California day. And down in the river where all the rocks heat up, it's 123, 125 So you got to get into the water and it's warm. It's nice. And my dad says, as we're pulling in, I see the big giant tree over there. I'm going to park the van in the shade. My dad says, park over here, son, right in the sun. Dad, the shades over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But park over here. Dad, the shade is over there. Over here, son, park over here. So what did I do? I parked in the shade. It's my van. And as soon as we get there, I turn off the engine and my dad tells my kids, all right, everybody out. Not you. Everybody, everybody out. Okay, we'll see you guys in a few seconds. And then as the doors close of the van, that intense silence, there's no more noise. In that silence, my dad says, don't you ever again lack respect for your father in front of his grandchildren. Dad, you listen now. It's my turn. I have a cane. Now you got to make me hike an extra distance to get down to the river, and you got good legs. Don't you ever lack respect for your father in front of my grandchildren again. Now, you may be Elder Rojas, Dr. Rojas. I don't know what they call you out there. Around here, you're my boy. And I'm the only daddy you're going to have. And I just had to tell him, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. All right, then. Let's go. You know, it's a guy thing. Can't get too mushy. So I'm sitting there. Hurry up. I don't want to see the kids. I don't want the kids to see you cry. All right. All right. All right. All right. okay. <laughs> All right, all right. Well, I don't even want to talk about this again. No, sir. I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> and then he said something that really changed my life. He says, "Now you're 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 in your fifties, son. You you're under no obligation to obey your father, but you will honor him. You're absolutely right. Honor your father and your mother." Doesn't ask if they deserve it or if they've been good to you. There are a lot of abuse among My daddy was an abusive father. He was an alcoholic. He beat my mama every day. He's a fragile old man now with a cane, but he is my father. And I'm not going to have another one. I, I come from a hood family. My daddy being arrested. sounded familiar to a few of you? But he's my daddy. Then the next one, don't, don't. Kill. I think that one's self-explanatory. Anyone have a question on that commandment? You believe that commandment intensely if someone point a gun at you. Remember what the Lord says. Don't commit adultery. Don't take somebody who's not yours. The intensity of intimacy, bonding with someone you don't even love is so crisscrossing electronically in your brain that you will hurt yourself and the other person. There is nothing that you can do in bonding without being in love. That is meant for marriage. It's a powerful thing. And if you take somebody else's love, you may pay for it in other ways. With violence, with diseases you don't need, there's all kinds of risks. God is just being common sense. Don't take somebody who's not yours. I mean, why should that be so out of sync with reality when it makes so much sense. And, and, and then there's another one, don't, don't, don't steal. I mean, have you been robbed? I've been robbed lots of times. You know what? If they take it, just go get another one. You know, they took my Toyota. I just went and got another one. I became a Toyota mechanic during all those thefts because the LB-209 gang... Their initiation was you had to steal three cars. Well, my little three Toyotas were stolen seven times each. That's seven kids who got into a gang. 21 thefts for me. Have you ever gone outside and all your cars are gone? Ruthie, their cars are gone again. It's awful. Don't laugh, it could happen to you. And you call the police and they say, How long has it been gone? Oh, it's been gone two hours. Sorry, we have people bleeding. We have other priorities higher than your stolen car. Someone didn't come to my house till the next day. By now, my cars were far away. You see, the power of not stealing is that you learn to respect somebody so much that you don't need to break their heart and take their stuff. There's no such thing as a harmless crime. If you're ever the victim of a robbery Doesn't matter what the other side thinks. If your stuff was taken, that when my guitar that I'd used for 17 years in preaching was gone, I lost it. I got sick. To them, they go to their uncle, here, I got this guitar, you could have it, I love you. They just gave it away. But for me, it was like the end of my life. I needed counseling. You never know what you're doing to somebody when you take their stuff. If you took something, take it back. We were doing community service here in the section of D.C. We went to Mr. Big and asked for his blessing because, you know, it's pretty organized in here in the hood, in the city. You know that, right? It's organized. Those who live in the city know what I'm talking about. And we went and paid respects to Mr. Big on the street. We said, we're going to be going door to door. We're going to distribute literature. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're working for Jesus. And the guy says, I know you all. You're up there by that college. Huh? Yeah, those adventurers up there somewhere. What do you call it? No, Adventists. Oh, adventure. Yeah, that's right. Something, something like that. Yeah. The adventure hospital, something like that up there. Well, we're coming down because we love the people. and We want to serve humanity. We got programs for the kids after school and this and that. All right. Mr. Big gave us his blessing. So one of the guys one day left his briefcase in the back seat of the car. What happens when anyone sees a briefcase? down deep into Georgia Avenue, off to the left. They saw the briefcase pick the lock. Any 10-year-old can do it in that part of town. And so the briefcase developed legs, and it ran away very quickly. All of a sudden, we're sitting there, oh, this can't be. And the guy says, my wallet was in there, man. So what about the $11? It's more my ID. Folks will know where I live. This ain't right. So we, we I, they, they huddled in prayer. You know what's cool about it? A repentant kid came up half hour later. I just want to apologize. <laughs> I took it. <laughs> Don't call it, police. Mr. Big kept his word. One of his people took our briefcase. You took it from those people? We've given them our blessing. We showed respect. What happened? We got respect back. The kid came and apologized and gave the briefcase back. Now, since when does a gang member apologize for taking your stuff and with a broken heart coming up and ask you not to call the police? Now, see that? The Ten Commandments are about loving God and loving people made in the image of God. The Ninth Commandment, don't bear false witness. You know what that's called? Gossip. I know you never done that. Just try to imagine those who have fallen into that deep hole. What is gossip? When you say something about anybody. doesn't have to be true or untrue, because the story is going to change as soon as it spreads. And, and, and the moment the story spreads, it's going to change for the worse, because that's human nature. I'm walking out a liquor store at midnight in Fresno, California, because the baby needed milk. And my wife says, we've run out of milk, go get some. So I go to the liquor store and I find a quart of milk. Because the only place that was open, the place went to sleep with the chickens. And so they only have long bags. So what happened? They slid my quart into a long bag. I walk out into an eight-lane street at midnight with a long bag from a liquor store. So I think to myself, a church member is driving by. It's going to see the pastor walking out a liquor store with the long bag. And so I decided to tell the story at church the next weekend. I said, you know, I was out there after midnight and I could just imagine some sister driving by. And she is shocked to see the pastor with a long bag coming out the liquor store. She calls her best friend. That's the only thing you can do at that moment. Oh, yeah. The one you trust with your life. It's almost one in the morning. I just got Back from Blackstone Avenue, and I saw the pastor. He had a long bag. I don't think he had any drink in it, but he didn't look right. It scared me. What do you think? I don't know, sweetheart. That sounds terrible. And so let's pray. Lord, save our pastor. Guess what they did? They called someone else, the pastor. Was seen coming out of a liquor store with a long bag? It didn't look right. Should a pastor be doing that? Is it proper for a minister of the gospel to even enter such a place? The kid needs milk. They sell it in the refrigerator back in the back. Well, after that, it had a life of its own. A prayer chain was launched during the night. (laughs) Folks were calling folks. By 3, 4 in the morning, 20, 30 people were in a... The pastor was seen stumbling out of a liquor store. He was uh, by another person said he was being arrested. Sister so-and-so drove by and saw the lights as the pastor's head was being pushed down <laughs> and he's being taken in. And by the time I preached about this uh, on the weekend, I mentioned it. And everybody's like, oh, my goodness. And I said and the whole time I had milk. And so I just said, imagine if that would have happened because my message was on gossip and that story just stood out to me. And so as I'm greeting the folks after the service, a sister refused to shake my hand. It's not right to use your church members as an example. You know that I drove by and I saw you come out of this. I did not know. You know that I drove by and that I called everybody. She confessed. Wars are started by gossip. If you have anything to say about anybody, make it good. There was one sister who drove us crazy because she only said good things about others. Everybody has bad. If you look long enough, you'll see it. There's no such thing as the good person because we all have bad also. But if you look for the good, everyone also has good that you can recognize. So what happens? You know, like many, many communities of faith, this sister only spoke great things. So they'd be talking over at the meal. I You know, I just hate her guts. Just the way she wears those heels to the house of God, that just seems so inappropriate. Forever and ever, amen. (laughs) And she'd walk up, but that woman can cook. Have you ever tasted her food? She's an angel in the kitchen. Oh, you can't say anything bad around her. Then finally, oh, there's the deacon. He finally shows up. Never, very irresponsible deacon. Oh, but did you see the balcony he built for his wife? The man is a wizard in carpentry. You can't say anything around this sister because she only had good things to say about people. Well, finally, they set up a trap for her. Three people got together. All right. You'll stand as you, she's exiting the sanctuary as she's walking through the foyer. Then you'll stand over here. Then you stand at the door leading out to the parking lot. And they, they sprung a trap after church as the woman's walking out. One of them said, you know, Satan causes a lot of problems on the planet. And the sister looks at him. Yeah. And over here. A lot of pain, that's right. All kinds of horrendous th- tragedies and disasters. And she looks, and finally, the third one springs the trap before she can go outside. What do you think, sister? No. <laughs> it's about Satan. So she stops. It's true. Sometimes I struggle with my kids. It's true. You know, if we were as perseverant as Satan, Jesus would have come a long time ago. No one asked her any more questions. This woman is so optimistic. Now, she didn't say anything nice about Satan. She just recognized that he's very perseverant. He does not give up. And if we were the same way, Jesus would have come a long time ago. Everybody got scared. You know, she's scary, man. That woman is sprouting wings, man. She is an angel. See, it is possible to learn not to be a gossip. Imagine being known for only saying good things. Wow. That every time this mouth opens is to affirm another human being. That's, ah. It doesn't have to be utopia. Not in your life. You can make it happen, can't you? And if you do mess up, go apologize. I'm the one. You're the one. I'm sorry. Oh, love will cover a multitude of sins. And finally, the last one, uh, uh, coveting. You know what coveting is? It gives examples, wanting your neighbor's house, his spouse, his stuff, his, his tractor, his animals. Uh, yeah, Animals were the equivalent of a tractor back then, you know, that kind of. Thing. And so, so uh, covetous people are known for one thing, they're bitter. They're angry because you're happier than them. And they're very bitter. That's right. God is love. And you should not be happy. You've been a sinner and the Lord's going to toast you in hell. Amen. They got Bible verses to clobber you over the head. Jesus. The Bible was never meant to be a club. It was meant to be medicine. Covetous people don't want you to be happy. Covetous people are bitter in the name of Jesus. And everybody here has met somebody like that. They're angry. They, and just, just so that you know, so it awakens your compassion. Covetous people have usually been people who were abused. They're bitter because that's what they grew up with. What's the way to counter bitterness? With an ultimate love. That's why Jesus says, Love your abusers. Do good to them who despitefully use you. Pray for those who misuse you in my name. People who mess with you in the name of Jesus. I've had people waiting for me as a delegation. We need to talk with you. I'll speak in some stadium and I got 20 people waiting on me to tell me that I'm leading everyone astray and that I'm going to pay for it, that I will be the first to go to hell. And I just preached a gospel message where over 3,000 gave their lives to Christ. And they're angry about it. You're preaching cheap grace. And I said, number one, grace is the most expensive thing ever purchased in the history of the universe. It costs the blood of God's only son. That is not cheap. If something costs my son, that is expensive. It's like democracy. It costs the blood of our sons and daughters on the fields of battle. That's expensive grace. Grace. So let's just settle that. It's not cheap grace. And then they realize, oh, they, and they, I realize then there are a group of people who have suffered, people who have gone through abuse and mistreatment, and now they think that faith means abuse and mistreatment. And because of you, they will learn that, that faith means love. Does that make sense? So ultimate love is when you're willing to forgive the unforgivable. We've seen that this series of sermons, right? Ultimate love. Love is understood in three, right? There is eros, which is passionate love. That is erotic love, eros in the Greek. And then there's the love of phileo, which is brotherly love. That's an expressionate love. A bonding that could even be closer than family. And then there's agape love. Anybody, any moms here? Okay, how much do you love your child? Put it in a sentence, please. Tell me in words how much you love your child. Well, uh, a lot. Okay, you have more than one child. Which one do you love the most? Uh, I love this one because he's quiet. And I love this one because she's loud. Uh, This one's never funny, but this one's funny all the time. And I love them both. How dare you ask me such a question? I just love my kids to pieces. True, mom? Can you describe in language how much you love your kids? There is no human tongue that can contain the enormity of a love of a mother for her children. This is not true, sister. There are some exceptions of folks who are not well. But normal people, I mean, we hear about it in the news, people with illnesses and things will do incredible stuff. But a normal, healthy mom cannot describe the amount of love she has for her children. And a dad grows into the same joy. That is agape love. For God so. Now listen to this rendition of John 3.16. For God so loved. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, whoever believes in Him will not perish. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will live forever. And ever, and ever, that is agape love. Do we deserve it? I don't think so. But he deserves it. And he clothes us in his righteousness. Our righteousness is as a filthy rag. His righteousness is perfect. And he clothes us in it. He puts some serious threads on us. And makes us acceptable to the Father. I don't know about you, but I want to go home. This world is not my home. We're talking about a love that cannot be explained with a human tongue. We're talking about a love that God has for us. We pause for technical adjustments. (laughs) Agradecemos su paciencia put that right here. I'll put this stool over here. Thank you. All right. Are you able to hear that? love. Why does love have to be such a problem for us? It is God's free gift. It is something you experience, not debate. God wants to give you a love so pure that you yourself recognize that it's something bigger than us. The beautiful thing about love is the more you give away, the more you have. So try it. The ultimate love of God. Think about it. Now we have the Ten Commandments we've reviewed. Everybody's always thought of them as a list of rules or that they were nailed on the cross with Jesus. Wait, 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 wait. Jesus himself summarized them. The first four commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's a lot of love. And then Jesus says the second is like unto it, the last six commandments. Love your neighbor. Love another person as you love yourself. So really, the Ten Commandments are a description of what God's people look like. God then gives them as a tablets of stone to Moses and he says, take these down to my people, Israel. Uh, Why? So that they may know that I am their God. And they are my people. See, the Ten Commandments are about a relationship. It's a description, a definition of what God's people look like. Well, there's a Bible verse that says in Revelation, those who do not want to keep the commandments of God will not be saved. Well, think about it, just logically here. If you don't want to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, why would you want to live with him forever? Think about it. If you don't love him, why would you want to live with him forever? I, I don't really love you, so... Um, why would you want to be stuck with him for eternity? And if you don't love people made in the image of God, I want to love God, but not others. I'll hit them with Bibles. Clobber them with Bible verses. I'll destroy their faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. There are people who want to love God, but not love people made in the image of God. See what I'm saying? When you put them both together, you love God and love people. That's quite a package. If you don't love people, why would you want to live with them forever? That's why God says, if you don't want the Ten Commandments in your life, you won't be saved. In other words, you're choosing not to love either God or people made in his image. That's all it is. It's a simple formula. And I like it that way. That really my life can come to be a description of what love is between me and God. me and the people made in the image of God. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.